from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta. Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And now let us prepare our hearts for the worship of God. My name is Helen Hatch, and I'm an elder currently ser serving on the session here at First Presbyterian. Please join me in the call to worship. Welcome this day to a celebration of God's magnificent creation. Thanks be to God, the Creator who has housed us in such a beautiful planet. Welcome this day to a recognition of God's redeeming love. Thanks to God, the Redeemer, who has given us God's only Son as an example and teacher, our Savior and Redeemer. Welcome this day to the joy of God's Holy Spirit of truth and power. Thanks to God, the Sustainer, who walks with us every day, guiding and guarding our steps. Friends, let us worship God. I invite you to follow along or to hear God's word from our scripture this morning, starting in Genesis 1 and then continuing in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Remembering that God's word is alive and active and meets each of us where we are this morning here the word of God for you and for me. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And then continuing in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth again and says, Finally, brothers and sisters, farewell. Put things in order. Listen to my appeal. Agree with one another. Live in peace. 
and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, break open your word afresh to us this day so that we would be different people than those who came into this sacred space this morning, even to be more like your son, Jesus the Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, as it is in English, so it is with the original languages of the Old and New Testaments, both Hebrew and Greek, that there are words in all of these languages, words that do not possess a solitary or single meaning. There are words that we read in the Greek and in the Hebrew along the way uh, that, that have more complex meanings, more, uh, just in terms of sheer volume, more definitions that can be offered when one is trying to interpret and translate these various texts. There's one word in particular this morning that fits that classification that really will anchor this sermon. It's a word that appears in 2 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, the 11th verse. It's the Greek word katerizo, katerizo. And the English translation we use, the one in your pew Bibles, is the New Revised Standard Version. And that turns that one Greek word into a a four-word phrase. One word into a four-word phrase. Put things in order. Put things in order. In order. Scholars and interpreters and translators of the Greek New Testament have noted that this particular word appears 13 different times in the New Testament. But in those 13 different iterations, there's at least 32 different meanings of that word. Depending on the context, depending on how other writers at that time outside of the, uh, of the writers of the scriptures use that word, scholars identify at least 32 different definitions for this one single word. It can mean to put things in order. It can also mean to mend. It can mean to repair to complete, to fit out. It can mean to equip, to arrange, to adjust, to strengthen, to perfect, to frame, to restore, or to make one who they ought to be. Now, for those of a certain personality type, say folks who are exceptionally organized, maybe leaning a little bit toward OCD, folks who like to feel as if life is in control and that life has some sense of of order and routine and, and rhythm, people who thrive off of that routine, order, and rhythm. This word and its various meanings is quite attractive, isn't it? You know, you know, the type of person I'm thinking about here is the, is the type of person who builds a Lego set only according to the directions. 
and then super glues it together, that kind of person, they love this word katerizo because it has this sense of everything being where it needs to be. The Genesis 1 story appeals, I think, to these personality types as well. We are introduced at the very outset of the holy book to a God who creates order. Creates order out of disorder, in fact. Creates creation out of a formless void. Puts things in their right place at their right time. Type A personalities really want to get to know this God. This God who organizes and arranges everything in their right place. But let's be clear about something here. The way this God orders, the way this God completes, the way this God arranges, the way this God mends, the way this God repairs, this God has no equal. This God has no equal in the cosmos to order the way that this being orders. The writers of the Old Testament actually nuance the language in Hebrew here. The Hebrew word for create or to make or, or to be made is the word bara. And it's a word in Hebrew that is only ascribed to God. When a human being makes or, makes or creates something, it's a different word altogether. But when God creates, God baraz. And no one else can do that. Only God can create and put in order in this way. That in some way, what the writer is saying is that God is the ultimate orderer of life. God puts in place in the most ultimate of ways in the most meaningful of ways, what this creation and what life should look like. That it's God's priorities that set the order. And the invitation for humanity is to order our lives according to that ultimate order. But too often, we want to order our lives according to our own priorities, not the priorities of God. We want to create an order of life that fits our individualistic desires, what we want out of this journey. When I think of the ordering of priorities, I think of a, of a paddle steamer traveling down the Mississippi River. And I think about a captain who is on a tight schedule, pressed by his employer to reach a port in New Orleans ahead of schedule and no later than right on time. So the captain is, is steering and leading this vessel to that port and, and he begins to see because of the weather and because of the way the river is flowing, because of the, the traffic on the river, they're not making good time. And so the captain instructs the workers to shovel more coal into the engine to burn that fire hotter so that they can go faster and faster. And sure enough, they do, but they realize that they're not making up, making up much time and, and they realize that they're running low on coal. And so the captain has to make a decision. And the captain looks at the cargo, this precious cargo that he has been entrusted with, and says, I know what we'll do. We'll break down this cargo and we'll burn it. 
so that we can go faster and faster and faster to get to our destination on time. And sure enough, the crew breaks down this precious cargo that is in his care. And they do go faster and faster and faster. And they arrive just a little bit ahead of schedule. But the employer comes and boards the ship and is absolutely puzzled and angered by the fact that this precious cargo has been burned and has been destroyed. That the very purpose of the voyage itself was unfulfilled. From time to time, I am like that captain. And maybe you are too. We have precious cargo in our lives. We've been called as stewards to care for this cargo, principally our relationship with God, our relationship with the people that God has placed in our lives. We've been called to to tend to this precious cargo of faith, this precious cargo called the church, cargo of our integrity, cargo of our character, cargo called Christian witness that's made known in forgiveness and mercy and in justice and love. And yet we have burned them up. We've burned them up to get to where we need to go, where we want to go. We've burned them up. The most important elements that God has called us to care for. And we burn them up and we, we treat them like they're trash because our perspective is out of order. Our priorities are out of order. Some of us are like that captain from time to time. And I think that's the very problem Paul is addressing with the church in Corinth. In this young church, Paul sees a disordered community. They are burning up and destroying the very fabric of their life together. You see, disorder was marked in the church at Corinth by broken and troubled relationships between its members. There was obsessive quarreling. They were taking matters to court when they could have resolved them within the community. They were taking matters to court, suing each other. And there were those in the community that were creating factions. They were creating sides. And they were choosing sides. And they created this unnecessary competition of sort of righteousness within that particular community, pitting one another against the other. The community was living life out of order with God's order. And it's an order that Paul actually talks about in this same letter, 2 Corinthians, earlier in chapter 5. And here is the order of God. When Paul is talking about putting things in order, he's thinking, I think specifically, about this order of God. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ Jesus, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting them the message of reconciliation. So he says, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, 
so that in him we might become the very righteousness of God. Paul's exhortation, right, to put things in order in this 13th chapter is about embracing the order of reconciliation. On the one hand, it's about embracing the order of reconciliation. On the other hand, it's also embracing the order of what it means to be an ambassador of Christ, to be a witness to the gospel, fully acknowledging that God, in fact, has done something new in us, something amazing by God's good grace, that God has made us new, and that God is reorganizing our priorities. God is, by the Spirit, reordering our order of life. God is, is not making uh, an appeal through some abstract means or method. God is saying, I'm making my appeal through you. And I believe that the order of life that we have and that we create is called to be, to have rather integrity with the order of God. And the reason it's called to have integrity with the order of God is one, to be faithful to God, but also because that order is a witness. It's a witness to the world of what God has actually done in your life and in my life and in the life of the church. And so you read this farewell message of Paul in, at the close of this correspondence of the church in Corinth. And, and these four words put things in order. They take on a different meaning, don't they? There is an urgency to mend. There is an urgency to repair. There's an urgency to frame. There's an urgency to have our life in order with the order of God because that is part of our witness to the world. To see that we really are people of peace, people of grace, people of mercy and love. In my middle school years, it was a girl named Kate who was the object of our mockery and our meanness. And while I was certainly not the ringleader there, my complicit laughter and onlooking and non-intervention made me just as guilty as anybody else. For three years in middle school, Kate was teased, she was left out, and at least on one occasion, she was physically tormented by some of our classmates as the rest of us just watched. About 10 years had gone by since those middle school years, and I was emerging as an adult. I had come through a significant conversion of faith, a reaffirmation of faith, a, a call to ministry. I knew God was doing something new in my life. 10 years had passed since those days, and I was having lunch with a friend of mine in a restaurant in, in the town that I went to high school in, and sure enough, our server was Kate. I recognized her immediately. I wasn't sure if she recognized me. And all of a sudden, when I saw her, all of those emotions of guilt and lament for my culpability and her pain came flooding toward me. And I began in my head to rehearse an apology. Have you ever done this? You begin to think about how you're going to ask for forgiveness, how you're going to ask for pardon. She took our drink order. She left. I didn't say anything. She took our food order. She left. I didn't say anything. She came back with our food. I didn't say anything. She brought the check. I didn't say anything. We paid the bill. I didn't say anything. 
We left, and I didn't say anything. Truth be told, I have no idea why I didn't apologize. I really don't to this day. I don't know why I lack the courage to confess, to ask for forgiveness. But I will tell you this, I still regret that. And that's middle school. I still regret that. I wish I would have tried to make things right. I wish I would have tried to put things in order, relationally speaking. I wish I would have witnessed to the ministry of reconciliation as an ambassador of Christ in that moment, but I didn't. The exhortation from Paul in 2 Corinthians to put things in order is one that we not only should rehearse when we hear it on a Sunday morning in church, it's one we should actually put into practice to not let these opportunities to make things right in our relationships, to not let a minute pass without striving to make things right so that 20 years from now we don't lament and regret the missed opportunity to be an ambassador of the gospel, to witness the fact that God has made us into something new. But it's not just the past that we're concerned with. It's not just those relationships in the past. I, I'm even thinking more critically, more acutely about the relationships today, where relationships in our lives, this precious cargo of our lives, you follow the image, the precious cargo in our lives, and they're not put in order. They're not right. Things are out of order. They're, they're out of place. Are there relationships that are out of order in your life with God's ministry of reconciliation? What relationships in your life right now need to be mended? Where, where do you need to stop choosing sides? Maybe you're one of those folks who likes to draw lines in the sand and put people here and put people he there. Where do you need to stop that pattern? Where are you sowing seeds of dissonance and discontent? Where do you just need to stop fighting? To just stop all the warfare. But it goes beyond relationships. That's part of the precious cargo. But, but it's, also, it's also about our priorities. To not burn the stuff that's most important. It's about priorities. It's about thinking through your schedule and the ways you spend money and the ways you order your time and asking the question, is that in order with God's order? Where are there things in your life that are out of step with God's order? What has God called you to finish or to complete that you've not yet finished? What habits in your life need to be restored or need to be taken on? Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's a deeper commitment to worship. Maybe it's serving in a particular way that you've kept saying no to, but you know God's calling you to say yes. Maybe it's uh, to start attending a meeting finally. And to be honest with your struggles, maybe it's going back to or starting a relationship with a counselor or a therapist or staying connected to the people who help bring out by the power of, your, of the Spirit your very best self. Paul's words to put things in order ring true for our lives today. So where does that need to happen in your life? Where are things out of God's order? Where do they need to align? Where do they need to have integrity? Where are you burning up the good stuff? Those relationships and those gifts that God has 
called you to care for as a witness to the gospel? What do you need to mend? What do you need to strengthen? Where does God's order need to reorder your priorities and mine so that we remember what is most important in life? Put things in order, says Paul. And as we strive to do so, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of us. Amen. Where in your life is there an order that is out of order with God? Mend that, repair that, seek to make that right so that our witness may grow in faithfulness and so that others may know that God is the God of new creation and new things. And now may the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. May his peace live inside of you this day and every day of your life. Amen.